Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 14th episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Juman, joined on a post-trade deadline Monday with my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, how's your how's your post-trade deadline uh, memory? memorandum i don't know i don't know where i'm going with that i don't think that's i don't think that's quite it nolan um it's okay it is snowing for the fourth winter in saskatchewan today um that's something i i like how the past couple episodes have started with a rant so i'm gonna rant about more shit that i hate um i've been seeing a lot of posts on social media about like happy fourth winter in saskatchewan it's like dude it's like the beginning of april like it's not that (laughs) big a deal like if it was June, I mean, I could see you getting a little upset, but it is what it is. I barbecued on Friday. That was enough, like, serotonin and drank a beer outside. That was enough of a serotonin boost that will keep me going for months. So yeah, I really can't complain. Day. Can't complain. How about you, Nolan? How's, how's deadline day, post-deadline day in Ontario? I've gone through a lot of emotions today, Miles, as you can probably tell from the multiple texts I sent you all day today. Um, you know, I, I think I'm probably going to save most of my thoughts for later on, um, but I didn't have a great day at work. Um, I wasn't, well, I shouldn't say I wasn't too thrilled. I, there, I have some complicated thoughts about the trade deadline. Um and then I, I was on my way home, and I, I listened to the Fearless Taylor version, and I, I felt I felt a little bit better. As one does. How many times through are you? Uh, so if we're talking full album, because I like I've only gone through and listened to like the main Fearless tracks. I haven't gone through and listened to the like all twenty six because twenty six tracks is a lot of Taylor Swift, um, but. I've listened to the I've listened to the initial fifteen tracks. I think it's fifteen, uh, a good three or four times now. And man, that, that like the production on that thing sounds so good. Like it sounds incredible. I I could not believe she made it sound as good as as it does. And you said it, and I've been listening for it a little bit here too. Uh, she's like compared to the first recording of Fearless, like she's gotten so much better as a vocalist. Like even if you're not a big Taylor Swift fan, you've got to at least put some respect on her name for taking her craft as serious as she does because a lot of other people that are that famous or were that big of stars at that time would have just been like fuck it let's keep keep pumping out albums here but she focused on her craft as a singer and songwriter and got better and better and now we're blessed with a solid solid album from lady swift the queen the queen of pop herself as as it as it currently stands the queen of uh, pop. uh taylor please come on the pod and we we'd really appreciate it anyways so yeah we've got a couple we've got a we've got a little bit of uh we got we got some events we got to get through so uh miles how about you let the people know what we're going to discuss today howdy y'all here's the game plan we're going to be talking about uh the four games from last week most of them make the boys hashtag sad and you will feel that as well then we are going to get into some overall shit as Nolan has so eloquently titled it, 
where we're going to talk about the Oilers, kind of what we saw from last week and, and how the young men are feeling. And then we're going to get into trade deadline stuff. We're going to talk about the elephant in the room, Sir Taylor Hall, and then a few of the other big deals uh, involving the Oilers and various teams in the NHL. After that, we're going to do what we always do, and we are going to recap, or sorry, pre, pre-cap, hmm? The, the games of this week for the Oilers. So with that out of the way, Nolan, let's get into it. Recapping last week's games. The first one you have so lovingly titled Stalled. Yes, I have entitled it Stalled. Um, I should have started this from the get-go, but uh, I wanted to just, uh, I wanted to mention this beforehand, but uh, yesterday was actually the year anniversary since the passing of Colby Cave. Um, they had the celebration of life on Saturday and we'll discuss actually the ramifications out of that celebration of life because once again we got some thoughts on that um but once again just wanted to extend our sincere condolences to Emily and the rest of the cave family and not not only friends but teammates and extended family everything like that it's just it's still so in, insane to imagine that this has happened at such an early point in his life um from everything that people have said that Colby Cave is was just an incredible dude, and um, I I made the absolute mistake of watching Emily Cave's uh, 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 Emily Cave speech from the celebration of life on Saturday, man, and I was a friggin' puddle. So, but anyways, let's move on to more positive things. <laughs> well, what since you brought it up, Nolan, one thing I did want to say: Saskatchewan's obviously a very small place. Uh, Colby Cave was from North Battleford. He played his junior hockey in Swift Current, so just kind of through the grapevine of you know people refing, um, people coaching, different camps, stuff like that. I I'd heard firsthand from a few people who have had experiences with him before he made the jump to the NHL, and everybody just said the same thing: like top shelf human, like awesome, awesome person. And you hear that a lot about people um, sometimes when they pass. And it, you can tell the difference between like, oh, you know, they're just being polite versus like, no, that person genuinely made an impact on a number of people's lives. And it's very apparent that Colby Cave was a very, very special man. And it's super unfortunate that he passed as young as he did with as bright of a future as he had. So just echoing your sentiment, Nolan, uh, heartfelt well wishes to the Cave family and Emily and, and the Oilers organization. But now that we're sad, tears are welling up in our eyes. We should talk about the games from last week. Take it away on the episode titled "Stalled." <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna be a little bit. Let's be a little bit inside baseball here. But uh, typically, when, when we do notes, I use like a, I use like a template uh, <laughs> that uh, 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 Google Docs has, and it's like meeting notes. And the first one, I usually just like fill stuff in, and so. <laughs> The first note is from the template, and it's lorem ipsum dolor sedamet. So it's just a bunch of Latin gibberish. But, um, anyways, uh, we we've been getting a lot more comfortable with this stuff now, so we can kind of go in and sort of talk about that a little bit more glowingly, and maybe a little bit more, uh, maybe a little, a little bit more engaged. But uh, this was the three-two loss to the Montreal Canadiens in overtime. 
um, I, I, I called it Stall for one reason. It was the first game of Eric Stahl playing as a Montreal Canadien. Yeah, big big booze. Uh, he should have been an Oiler. Uh, it would have been really nice to see his giant head uh, in an Edmonton Oilers uniform. But uh, nonetheless, though, he did. It was his first game as a Hab, and then he scored the freaking overtime winner. What a jerk. But uh, the big story about this game is that the Oilers blew a 2 nothing lead, and that's not ideal. And uh, so yeah, that's uh, that 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 was that game. No, I th- I think it was I think Tatar scored the tying goal, um, but I remember just watching it go in and just screaming "fuck" in my basement, <laughs> being so mad because I knew that that was it. I knew it was over. And then I, I had the false hope of uh, the Oilers going into overtime. Like, oh, it's Connor Leon. It's three on three. You know, it's our. This is it. This is going to be two points. And then, it's the game, guys. It's the game. Yeah, here we go. We got a shot here. But no, not a freaking chance. Um, as soon as you piss away a 2 nothing lead, uh, you kind of deserve to lose. And it sucks. It was Eric Stahl, especially because he should have been an oiler. He should have been that 3C that the boys are looking for. Um, but instead, he's in the city of scaffolding and smoked meat. So enjoy your time. I cannot wait for you to lose to Toronto in the first round of the playoffs. You red and blue bitches. Yeah, I'm actually not sure who I would prefer to face off in the second round. Honestly, yeah. They, for some reason, like, the Oilers match up as well against the Habs as the Senators match up against the Oilers. And isn't that just disgusting to say? Doesn't that just hurt your ears to hear? But it's some kind of true. They just can't seem to beat them. No, you're absolutely right. Um they 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 for some reason can't and it must i don't know if it's like the four check or if it's uh, like i i don't know what it is if it's the size on the habs which like they're not even they're they're a big team but they're big in spurts like they're they're like how do i explain this their top two centers don't play big but they've got some big wingers on that team if that makes sense like yeah like Tifoli josh isn't even, a big, big yeah man. josh anderson's a huge dude which by the way since the first like 10 games of the season that contract looks dreadful like his production since those first 10 games has been god awful i cannot believe that that's not the Anyways, first time you've mentioned that on this pod either nolan so i know that that's I something know. you're watching and i'm excited for our end of the season recap for you to just shit um I am a big. Is, did you have anything else to say about the Canadians game, or are we we tired of them? Uh, the, we the can frig co- off from them. Rick. The Covidians. The Covidians. Um, I like this next title, Nolan. Uh, thin, <laughs> thin red line. <laughs> a, uh, a a reference to the uh, 1999 war film, uh, but also to the uh, Leon Dreisaitl goal from this game. Thank you very much. Okay. Do you want to start with that? Do you want to start with the creme de la creme? I mean, why not? I mean, yeah. he, I, I heard this somewhere else, but like he basically scored it from the parking lot is where he scored it from. Like <laughs> there was absolutely no, like I don't even like the reason why that's like a goal scorer goal is because that's a goal that like just it doesn't seem like it could go in. But a goal scorer puts that in the net like it was insane. You have zero business scoring from there. Um, Danny Heatley. Leon Dreisaitl, Joe Sackick, that might be about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, and and the worst part is, is that, I, and I think it was, was it Marcus Hogberg or was it Forsberg? I think it was 
fours. I think it was the hog, man. I think we got was the it? hog. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Damn it, weird. That's unpreparedness. But anyways, I, I like. I don't even blame. I don't even blame him for allowing that goal. Like that's that's just straight up like that's great. Like straight up Chris Kyle American sniper. <laughs> Actually, Deutschland sniper. Punisher logo on your back. <laughs> Uh, they used to do that in the NHL skills competition a few years ago. Maybe just one year they did it, but it was like um, one tease from all over the... It was in a team skills event, and it was one tease from all over the ice, and one of them was like... It wasn't behind the goal line, but it was like damn near in the corner. And I remember... <laughs> Patrick Kane being one team's pick and I think it took him like 15 or 14 tries to, to score that goal on an empty net right because of just how insane yeah. that angle is so the fact that uh, Lightning Leon was able to do that with an NHL goalie in net and five other players up on the opposing team on the ice is absolutely mind-boggling so yeah shout out Leon holy shit Leon that's nice stuff we 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 really like Leon Dreisaitl in this household, but uh, yeah, Leon Dreisaitl hat trick. That was the uh, that was the story of the thin red line right there. Was Leon being Leon, and we love Leon here. Following that up, the Oilers <sighs> snuck away with one, if I say so myself. Very uh, very lucky. The uh, the pesky sense, as I've called this. Outshot the Oilers forty to twenty three, which is incredibly terrifying. And the Oilers ran on literal fumes. Um, my biggest story for this game was uh, the fact that Jesse Puljujarvi um, hit the season to- or the season total over on goals for the season. So he hit over eight and a half. He scored his ninth goal on the empty netter. So shout out Nolan. That's a fucking swish from the swish from the three point line. Um, He's got a ways to go to hit my target from the beginning of the season. I was smashing over twenty, so <laughs> let's. Uh, that's a that's a tough one right there. Hey man, I'm, don't uh, don't count it till it's over. Let's see him just get hot, hot, hot for the end of the year. Maybe him and Connor will just go on a little a little hand. Yeah, holding. if only he had a if only they had a top six winger to play with them. Anyways, Miles, did you have any last thoughts about this um, last Sens game besides about the fact that they were outshot and uh, were outplayed by the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, that's concerning, man. Like uh, getting outshot forty to twenty-three by the last place team in the division. If we can remember our, our statistics from last episode, State of the Tunian, um, that's a team with a point three seven four points percentage at that point in time. Um, yeah, you got outshot forty to twenty-three. You have two of the best players in the world on your team, and you can't muster 30 shots. I think, who played that night? Was it Koski? No, it was Smith. So you hang out your... let's Number one goaltender. Your number one goaltender. Your yeah. probable team MVP. A lot of people yeah. are saying that, not just me. I'm not on crazy pills. Um, to hang him out to dry for 40 freaking shots, that's disgusting. There needs to be a better sense of urgency. And I'm looking at the dates here, April 5th, April 7th, April 8th. That's four games, in, or three games in four days. That's tough. That's hard. And you're on the road. But my goodness, guys, you got to do it. Um, totally switching gears. One thing that I really liked from Dave Tippett in that post-game interview was a comment about, uh, yeah, you beat the Sens nine times. Like, got to be pretty easy, right? And he's like, oh, if it's so easy, how come nobody else is doing it? And yeah, I, totally, I really like that. And I think that I that, agree with that's that. a really yeah. good point. Um, yeah. Toronto didn't do it. 
Montreal didn't do it. Calgary sure as shit didn't do it. Winnipeg didn't do it. Uh, and those are all teams that, you know, I'm leaving Vancouver out because fuck them. Um, but those are all teams <laughs> that you're comparing yourself to in a direct uh, measuring measuring stick type of deal. So for Edmonton to sweep the season series is something that I think they should get a lot of props for. But at the same time, like, fuck, that's a totally terrible way to go out in that series yeah. to get outshot like that and, and to somehow pull out a win. I mean, uh, it's good because it kind of negates the shitty losses that they've had to the Leafs and and COVID ends uh, to kind of make up for that. So if you consider that, maybe they lost like two or three to the Sens in an aggregate type of world. But shout out to them for for blanking the Sens. That makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it's if it's free, if, I mean, I don't want to call it free free eighteen points because it, it really wasn't like they played their asses off and well for the most part. Um, and they were able to sneak out with 18 out of 18 points. Like that's that's incredible. No matter who you're playing, like if you go completely undefeated against the team, like I, I think there's probably even teams that I don't even I don't know if there's teams in the East that have that have swept the Sabers. Like I'm I'm not sure, right? No, I think I saw I saw a graphic from the NHL. This is like the first time that there's been a sweep against a team playing them seven or more times since like um, the Penguins in the 90s. So wow, it almost seems like Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are doing something historic, isn't it? Though it's a buzzword. Uh, anyways, I don't want to. We... I don't. I would rather skip over <laughs> this. Um, I turned. I wasn't able to watch this game that Nolan has titled "Flamed Out," uh, and I'm thankful that I wasn't able to. But one oh, thing, but one thing I am not thankful for is the fact that I turned my phone on and had like eight different people shit talking me and shit talking the Oilers directly to the pod, directly to my personal text <laughs> messages. I felt like crap. Uh, I took not all... only were you getting the shit kicked out of you on your own personal Instagram, but you were getting the shit kicked out of you twice over. It was terrible, man. And some people were doing it twice. Like gutless, but I took. I was so mad. I screamed into my mirror, fought back tears, and moved all four of my Oilers jerseys to my downstairs closet just so that I wouldn't <laughs> have to look at them. Um. Yeah. It. Uh. That was that. That was a tough game. Um. So yeah. As as people know, it was a five nothing loss to the Calgary Flames. Not ideal, but overall, man, like. Okay, so I, I have to preface by saying, so I, I technically, or I, I run the one-for-one one Twitter account. Um, maybe one night I'll, uh, I'll give Miles the uh, credentials and he, can, uh, <laughs> and he can run it for a night. <laughs> um, but basically, I, I was pretty angry on Twitter just because I was like, okay, these guys just aren't trying. And I kind of had to take, I, it was midway through the second that I sort of took a step back and I realized that there, this this is an issue and this is something that like we can't totally just complain about and, and just say that this is just on the players. But anyways, um, overall, man, like the NHL dropped the ball. The NHL absolutely dropped the ball on this one. The Oilers were supposed to have this time off and they were previously scheduled to have this day off because it was scheduled for Colby's memorial. And it's important, man. Like, like I said, I I tuned in for a little bit of it, and like, there's no way that you can watch that and and be and be present for that, and think that yeah, we can just go play a hockey game tonight and play a hockey game against our most intense rival. 
in their barn. Like, I, I don't, I do not know what the NHL was thinking. And furthermore, um, just there, there were just so many, like, there were just so many takes that night. And I think that we kind of get caught up in like the team's performance from from day to day. I know that I sure do. I I, I know that I have to kind of give myself, um, a, you know, a bit of a reality check at times. But just some things are bigger than hockey, and that might sound like a very uh, cliched statement, but it's just true. Like it was, it was their fourth game in six days across Canada. Um, they were drained. Like they were just drained emotionally and physically, and. You mentioned here in the notes, but like it would have been really nice to win it for Colby, but it's also understandable. Like they were outshot thirty-two to seventeen, and the power play was non-existent. Like the the team just was not ready to perform. And the 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 one thing I have to give credit for is that not only did Dave Tippett stand up for his team, because typically Dave Tippett would come out and he would berate his team in you know in the media, but he didn't. He came out and said like. These guys went through a lot today. Like you can't just come out here, and I, uh, I, uh, I wanted to pick out a quote that was really important because Connor McDavid spoke after the game, and I mentioned this in a tweet that I put out from the Twitter account, and um, it's really important because we don't get this Connor McDavid very often. We don't get a Connor McDavid that opens up and is willing to sort of show himself and show his compassion and show um, any sort of levity. Sorry, levity is not the right word to use, but like showing some sort of, um, I guess, I guess like, I guess emotion just overall. Right. And so it's the, the comment he had was, he said, uh, I think you're asking a lot from guys to sit out, to sit through something like that and remember your teammate and see what they're going through, their whole family, and expect to perform that night. I'm not sure what the league was thinking there. And that says a lot when the best player in the league, the star, the face of the league, it's not Crosby, shut up, um, but the, the, the face of your league is saying, you guys fucked up. And that... That's a big thing. I, I know I've said this like three times now, but I have no idea what was going through the NHL's collective mind. Like that's, I think that's gutless. I think that's completely and utterly gutless because you know the reason why they did it. I know that they had to fit in a game, but you did that because it's Battle of Alberta Saturday night on Sportsnet, baby. Hockey night in Canada. Like that's why you did it, and I just think that's totally gutless. Yeah, and especially like you said, going through the memorial. And then I assume they bust, or did they fly to Calgary from Edmonton? Well, they would have flown probably. Yeah, but even then, yeah. man, that's still like an hour just sitting there, tra- like taxiing time, uh, air travel time, where you're digesting a memorial. And I'm sure everybody who's listening or has has sat through a memorial or, or a funeral service and like the next couple hours are just kind of a blur right dude the and, next fucking week is like and trying like, to and especially like with how not unchanged this roster is but how little turnover there is on this roster from last year where guys were playing with him um yeah. you don't want to it sounds cheesy it sounds scapegoaty saying like what the fuck were they doing they shouldn't have put that game there that's why we lost but at the same time i think any reasonable person would look at that and and understand what happened but um all that aside 
I have one gripe I would like to make, or or one one soapbox I want to stand on, and that is the people who are beaking at Michael Smith with his long mane of hair after this game. Flames um, fan Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> he messaged uh, me too. Don't worry. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, 27 saves and a .844 goals against average with a gas team around him. Please take your goalie slander elsewhere. He has been great this season. They hung him out to dry in the second period. Um, I think the third period shots were 10-3 to as well. Oh, it was so bad. The overall, like, out shooting. um, Flames went 1-4 for on the power play, so their special teams weren't great. Oilers went 0-2 for on the power play. Um, But get the hell out of here with that Mike Smith slander. It is not his fault that they lost that game. Um, be nice to Mike. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Mike. <laughs> justice for Michael. <laughs> I, ooh, that, that sounds problematic right there. Because, <laughs> you know, Michael Jackson and, uh, you know, yeah. never landed. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. I didn't okay. want to make you explain it because I thought <laughs> we could just kind of go over it. But You're fuck. just like, okay, Nolan, just, just, just please finish up being problematic <laughs> and, just, and just stop. <laughs> okay, let's get to it. Do you want to fight now or later? Okay. Okay, well, I guess we might as well combine it in two, okay? So, I'm just going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to make the, I'm going to, you know, I'm 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 using my hands. I'm not sure what to do with my hands right now. You look like um, a like a guy at the airport who's waving oh, the planes like a, in. Fuck with, with the with the sticks. Yeah, um, hey, Mac, bring it in. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's get the elephant out of the or the elephant out of the the elephant in the room out of the way. There you go. Um, Taylor Hall. We have both discussed. Um, the prospect of bringing Taylor Hall back. Now, there's a couple of reasons that. So um, on so last night, so Sunday night, um, there were some rumblings, and this was something that was kind of being talked about for a while. Was that Taylor Hall was interested in coming back, and then it was in in addition to that, there was the whole talk that. Taylor Hall was wanting an, was wanting an extension, and that he was that wherever he was going to sign, there was a pretty high possibility he was going to sign an extension. Then following that, Ken Holland did a press conference where he had mentioned that he wasn't going to be moving a first round pick unless it was for someone with term. So everybody just kind of all put two and two together, and we're like, uh, I wonder what this means. Um, anyways. Early yesterday, or well, earlier yesterday afternoon, uh, the Oilers put James Neal and Tyler Ennis on the taxi squad, freeing up about $3.9 million in cap space, in which, at that point, everyone was going nuts, including myself. And there were multiple Twitter accounts that were kind of lower inside, like, I don't want to say insiders, but like guys that kind of have a bit of an in with the industry. And then it was... Um, and then it was further provoked earlier in the week by John, or by um, uh, Doug McLean, who used to be on Sportsnet, uh, who said that he thought that the Oilers were going to get Hall and Nuge done for under $12 million, which would have been stupid. But anyways, um, so needless to say, I was excited, mainly because... I, Obviously, like I, I think I've—I don't know how how much people know about how big of a Taylor Hall fan I am, but I'm I'm a massive Taylor Hall fan, and like background on the cell phone Taylor Hall fan. 
yeah, like I was, I'm like psychotic. But anyways, the reason why I won Taylor Hall was because this team needs top six scoring help. And I've said this from the get-go, you can keep Nuge and all you do is you throw Hall with Dreisaitl or or you can go back to the Hall-McDavid pairing and see if it works. But we all know Hall-Dreisaitl worked really well. Nonetheless, let's get past it. So late in the hours last night, um, so I guess technically earlier this morning, um, the Boston Bruins acquired Taylor Hall for a second and Anders Bjork. Yikes, that's a tough return for Taylor Hall. <laughs> but um, needless to say, I was not too happy because I really wanted Taylor Hall back. I, I, I just I thought that you need a top six winger to play on this team to really go for it, and I thought they dropped the ball. Miles wants to fight about this because he doesn't want Taylor Hall near the Oilers again, but uh, I th- anyways, go on. Well... Okay, before I get into my point about why I don't want Taylor Hall back, I mean, fuck, dude, if that's the return that Taylor Hall gets, we could have done that. Like, if, that, yeah. if that's Buff, if that's all that Buffalo was looking to get, and I think they retained $2 million of salary, too. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me that that was the best best trade in the bundle. Like, if, if Ken, no. Ken had to have had something thrown in there, but... I wonder what it's, what's going to come out in the next few days or in the early off season about how something didn't come together or what have you uh, with Taylor Hall coming back to the Oilers. But here's my whole thing about Taylor Hall, and I'm going to complain for a few minutes, and then I'm sure Nolan is going to have some spirited comments back, and then we'll move on. And maybe his friends, maybe not. Who knows? But here's some statistics from 2019-2020 uh, in terms of rush scoring chances. It went number one, Nathan McKinnon at one and a half per game. Number two, Connor McDavid at 1.4 per game. And Taylor Hall in third at 1.2 per game. 1.2 rush chances per game. However, from those statistics, Hall went three for 72 on rushes. 12 of those being breakaways, he wasn't able to capitalize on any of them. This season on the Sabres, here's how he stacked up. 62nd in the NHL with two and a half scoring chances off the rush per game. 67th in the NHL with rush chances at 0.7 per game. 19th in zone exits at 7.9 per game. 15th in zone entries with 6.7 per game. So what you're seeing here is that he's a guy that likes to have the puck on his stick quite a bit and kind of drive the offense. Uh, he's obviously an elite speedster with his with his with his ability to. He's got wheels. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, but from these numbers from the past two years, where he's played on three different teams, it's kind of apparent that he's got bad finishing numbers, and that's playing with a number of different guys. I understand that that can be hard chemistry wise, but if you're an elite Hart Trophy candidate, uh, two years, three years removed, you've got to be converting on those numbers there's no no way around it um let's dive a little bit further into the statistics of taylor hall throughout his career 90 points one time in 11 seasons uh in his mvp year of 2018 he hit 80 points one time in 2014 he's never hit 70 points he's hit 60 points one time he's hit 50 points four times 40 points once and 30 points twice so what I'm seeing here from Taylor Hall is that, and I hate to say it, but he's more name value than statistical value at this point in his career. Um, 
I'm not saying that he's got no talent left. I'm not saying that he's not a good hockey player. But if you're looking for, like you said, Nolan, an elite top six player, I honestly don't know if Taylor Hall is that guy. And from the numbers and, and figures that I've presented here, I think there's quite a bit of, uh, of evidence that he just isn't that guy. 50 points in the NHL, hard to do. But 50 points in the NHL, I don't think is worth six years by $6 million. So here's the thing is for, okay. So I, I, I'm just, I'm just playing I'm just playing semantics more than anything, but I will say one of those 50 point seasons was in the lockout shortened season, which would have been on pace for like 85 points. So mention that to you. Um, nonetheless though, um, I completely get what you mean. Um, I know that Taylor Hall is not the consistent. I know that he's not on like a Nikita Kucherov level. I know that he's not on a Miko Rantanen level. Um, but what Taylor Hall offers is offensive creativity. I have known from the get-go, and this is the thing that I have always said to people since Taylor Hall was originally an Oiler, because everyone always said Taylor Hall's a goal scorer. Taylor Hall's a 40-goal 40, a 40 guy. Taylor Hall's... Uh, no. Taylor Hall's never been that. Taylor Hall has always been similar to like similar to like a Phil Kessel, where Phil Kessel, he's he scores goals, but he's not... He's I, a lot of people m- m- almost look at him as like a well, at least when he was at least when he was like really good on the uh, on the uh, Penguins, he was known as like he was known as like a playmaker, and you brought up you you brought up an interesting point about zone exits and zone entries. Um, those are great numbers. Like those like the guys that are really good at that are guys like William Nylander and. Say what you want about William Nylander, but I would take William Nylander's on my team any day. The most important part is that Taylor Hall wouldn't have to totally finish on this team. He can finish the odd time. You have to remember, he was the guy on New Jersey. He was the guy on Arizona as well. And both of those teams were just not offensively gifted. But if you put Taylor Hall either beside Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, shit's going to happen. Whether or not he's scoring the goals or whether or not they're scoring the goals. I can also see the point that Taylor Hall is not great defensively. He's going to be 30 years old this year. I'm not saying give Taylor Hall six years. But I think it would be absolutely foolish for Ken Holland to not go in this offseason and offer him like a three or four year deal. Because whether or not you're looking at him for his speed... His like hockey IQ is one of the best in the league. He is he is one of the best play drivers of this generation. He is incredible, and I think when you have him in a balanced lineup where you're putting him with, like I said, either Leon or Connor, good things are going to happen. And yeah, is the story great about it? Yes, absolutely. But I think when, especially with the price that he went for this year. You, I would have personally gone for him easy. And it's not just because, like, I'll, I'll get into this afterwards about my issues with this trade deadline because this team needs scoring. This team needs offensive creativity, and it needs scoring. And Taylor Hall would have contributed to that easy. Three quick things. I don't want to spend too, too much time on Taylor Hall. Um, if he's so elite at driving plays and generational and blah, 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 how come he doesn't have more fucking points? Number one. Uh, great players should be able to do that regardless of who's around them. 
you can see some great hockey players that are carrying corpses around with them that are putting up numbers and at least converting on breakaways. So that to me is kind of startling. Uh, number two, um, I can't remember what I was going to say, but I don't know, man. I'm just out on Taylor Hall. I don't think that he fits with this team. I don't think that he's as good as he's cracked up to be. Um, wrong side of 30 coming up as well. I, th I think Ken was right to stay away. Um, I know that's contradicting to what I said before in terms of like, well, if I knew that that's all he was going to cost, but nobody really knew that that's all that he was going to cost, right? Um, so hindsight's 420 in that regard. My but, issue is that apparently Ken Holland didn't even look into it. Oh, really? That's an issue. That's an issue. And, yeah. that, and, that's, and that is a problem. And furthermore, okay, you know what? Let's, let's finish on Taylor Hall and we'll, we'll, we'll move into the trade deadline because I need to speak about what is my overall like problem mm -hmm. with this. So the Oilers made one deal today and they acquired Dmitry Kulikov for a conditional fourth. So if it's not the, basically the conditions on the pick are if they win a playoff round, then it becomes a 2022 third. Um, I, from everything I've looked at with Dmitry Kulikov, I really like the fit because he's got really great defensive numbers. He was playing against top competition in New Jersey. And from everything I've read, he was the defensive conscience on a pairing with PK Subban, who was absolutely terrible this, or who's been absolutely awful this year. So, I am happy to see they did get uh, that they did get a guy like Dmitry Kulikov, but this goes back to the issue with what Ken Holland has said. And don't get me wrong, I don't want my GM to come out and reveal all of his cards right away because I think that that's wrong. But Ken Holland has said multiple times, "Oh, I'm not. Uh, you know, I think that we have a. I think that we have a really uh, deep team." Uh, so I'm not looking to acquire depth, you know, maybe if I can, uh, get players that, uh, you know, really, uh, move, uh, move the needle, then, uh, you know, maybe we can, uh, maybe we can make that work. And it's, and he was like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna move the first round pick. I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to move any, any important prospects. Fine. I get that. Whatever. But don't say you're going to go look for an impact player and make a deal on an impact player. Cause you never were. Clearly, you never were. Because if you didn't call about Taylor Hall, then what are you doing? And this goes to my overarching problem with this trade deadline. I've given myself some time to think about this and to get calmed down because earlier this morning, I was fire and brimstone. I was so fucking mad. And it's mainly because of this narrative, this narrative. And this is so after, after Ryan Rashaga tweeted that the Oilers were out on Taylor Hall and that they were never really in on Taylor Hall, all this stuff. Um, the, the Edmonton media all came out and we're all starting to say stuff along the lines of, you know, the Oilers aren't ready to win this year and the Oilers don't need to be paying a premium for a player like Taylor Hall and yada, 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 what, whatever. My issue with that is that is a loser mentality to think that we're not going to win the cup this year or we're not true cup contenders, so we're not going to go for it. That is a loser mentality, and that is what drives me nuts. If we're talking about hockey as a sport, this is a sport that prides itself on guys that want to win and, oh, we don't, oh, don't want to tank or anything like that. Oh, that's, that's for friggin' basketball. Basketball's for wussies. But yet we're going to come out here and say say yeah we're not going to we're not going to trade assets for 
you know, for guys that we don't need right now because we're not ready to win the cup. My issue with that is when are you going to start? So what, is it going to be next off season? Like, are we going to go into this off season because we have all this cap space, which is great. And if that's the plan, and if we're going to go into the off season and we're going to go acquire that top six left winger, we're going to go acquire that prop, that perfect third line center, because if they would have acquired Luke Glending today, I would have lost my mind because you're not going for depth and you're not willing to pay assets for top six talent, but you're willing to throw assets at depth pieces after you just said you're not going to go for depth pieces. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what, what are we actually doing here? Because at the end of the day, this is the one year where you have the easiest opportunity to go to the conference finals. Once you're in the conference finals, you can do whatever you want. And yeah, I know we haven't had those matchup games. I know that we haven't had those opportunities to play against those elite teams from the other divisions. But you have to just go in. And you have to go in and you have to give it your all. And... The idea of just sitting back and saying, this team isn't quite ready yet, is just, I, I hate that mentality. I think that's a, and I think that, that's a, that's a slight tier to superstars. Connor and Leon want to win. Connor and Leon want to win. And I think it's completely asinine and irresponsible to even, to even inherently think that you shouldn't go and acquire talent for that. And so anyways, they didn't get Ricard Raquel, which is fine. If the, if the Ducks didn't want to give him away, fine. And I understand there were a lot of teams that are somewhat still in the race, so they're not going to move that so that they're not going to move anything for it. But I'm saying right now, if Ken Holland, if so if this team by next year's trade deadline is not a Stanley Cup contender, I'm talking, I'm not talking a playoff team. I'm talking a Stanley Cup contender. Ken Holland's job should be on the line. Yeah, that's Matt, just the long, that's the long and short of it. You, you cannot waste time. No, that's, you cannot that's, waste to, time. that's totally fair. And I think your point about the like unpredictability, predictability of this year is really, really strong as well. Uh, if you look at the current standings in the North Division right now, Toronto is very comfortably in first. Um, Oilers, Jets are one or two, three flip flop, depending on the day. Uh, and then about 10, eight points behind them is the Canadians. So the top four in the North division is pretty clear cut. And just like you said, uh, that's set, right? Damn near set. Yeah. Uh, so realistically as a GM, you can very clearly kind of have a plan for where the playoffs are going to go. And you have, especially as the Oilers, you know, you're probably going to play the Jets and you're probably going to play the Leafs. So why not build your roster as best you can, especially with next year when there's going to be as much cap space as the Oilers are going to have, to be competitive against those two teams? It's not like there's the unpredictability of, oh, you know, are, are we going to win that first round and then have to play a really strong wild team or something like that that might take us for a run in seven? Like, no, you know what you need to do. It's very yeah. obvious. And like you said, once you get out of the north, it's free reign to play some pretty elite teams and you got to have some weapons around you. So... Yeah, I know I just bitched about Taylor Hall, but uh, uh, Mike Hoffman, uh, Raquel, um, there's a few like offensive, offensively charged guys that they could have been going for that they decided not to, and um, that is frustrating when you put it that way, that they weren't even in. They weren't even looking for yeah, it. Yeah, and like, I I, I don't know. I, I like, like the Kulikov trade. Like, 
Oh, but totally. That, but that shouldn't be the one that gets everybody fired up. That should that shouldn't be something like that's a depth defensive move on the left hand side, to so that Chris Russell doesn't have to play top four minutes, right? Like exactly. But my my concern with that is do do the general manager and do the head coach have a full back and forth relationship? Because if this is we acquired Kulikov, but we're still going to play Chris Russell over Caleb Jones. What the fuck are we doing I'll here? I'll scream. I'll fucking What are we scream. doing here? And, like, don't get me wrong. I know Caleb Jones has his defensive warts. I get that. But if we're going to go and do this whole, we're not ready to win a Stanley Cup yet, and we're going to hold on to our assets, then if you're going to do that, then play the young guys. Bring some of these guys up and get some creativity. Because, man, if if I can tell you one thing for the last couple of weeks that have been going on, that's been going on with this team, this team is running on the fact that their stars are getting points and the saves are getting made. There's going to come a point when that's not happening. And what's going to happen? You're just, you're going to have to watch this awful, awful hockey from your bottom six, and you're going to be begging for something to happen. And that's my ultimate fear with this team. You didn't acquire any offensive creativity. You didn't, you didn't do anything. Nothing at all. You know, there was the, uh, I don't know, you couldn't have, like, uh, I don't know, man. I, 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 I read the whole stuff about, like, oh, um, Anaheim wanted to get rid of Raquel and Josh Manson for a first. Oh, okay. Like, go for it. Like, get Raquel and Josh Manson if you want. I don't give a shit. Like, I don't, I know Josh Manson doesn't really have, have, have a spot in the lineup, but even if you want to acquire those two and then move Manson to somewhere, fine. But like the, just the lack of, like, I personally didn't think that the problem with this team was that they needed a depth defenseman or even like a a top four defenseman. Cause you're, cause like, Realistically speaking, Dmitry Kulikov is not coming in and is going to be your number four defenseman for the next three years. Like Dmitry Kulikov's probably going to come in, play pretty well, and then he'll be gone in the offseason. And like they're getting Slater Cuckoo back too. They're getting Slater Cuckoo back in May. Like so like why? And and like I said, if Kulikov adds that value to the team, great. I'm I'm super happy with that. But I just think that they dropped the ball on not being able to improve this team offensively. And I think that's a big, big, big mistake. Because even if you were to acquire Hall, at least you're getting the foundation in place. And I think that makes Nuge happy. I think that makes Connor happy. I think that makes everyone want to play on this team. But from what it seems like, um, Bob Stoffer, because he's kind of like the... Uh, he's he's kind of like the... Uh, who is Trump's press secretary again? Um, Which one? Uh, Stephanie. Uh, was it Stephanie? Uh, uh, I know her last name was Sanders. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Sorry. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is basically Bob Stoffer, And he, he hasn't been, he hasn't been hinting at, um, he hasn't been hinting at a Barry resigning. It's looking like it's probably going to be like Larson and Nuge are pretty well done from what it seems like. And from how Adam Larson has played this season, I think I'm okay with it as long as it's a decent cap hit. I swear to God, I swear to God, Ken, if you if you put this five million dollar Adam Larson on me, I'm gonna lose my mind. Um, but 
no, I, I, everybody in the Edmonton media seems to have faith in Ken Holland. And if he comes out next off season and he goes ballistic, which I think he should, you got to go out and you got to make big moves next off season. If it means you got to, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they buy out James Neal. I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to move Miko Koskinen and do something with that space. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not, I, I, I'm just scared after scared, um, as we like to say on here, I'm just, I'm, I'm terrified after the last couple weeks of play, just because I think there's just no offensive creativity and there's no way, um, I, I just don't see this team dominating like they should be. They haven't been the same team since they had that initial week break from Montreal and they got a week off now, come back. Like hey, I'd love to get, see some of those guys called up, but Jesus Christ, man! Hey, like you said, man, you got a week to get right, get some nagging injuries healed up, uh, get some line stuff figured out, have some team meetings. Uh, flip side of the coin for what we're saying for not making moves is um, Holland and Tippett. If they do have that linear relationship as GM and coach, is is time to sit down with the guys and say, hey, we didn't bring anybody in, so we need guys to step up, and you know, hopefully that lights a fire under their asses and. I mean, really, at this point, it's about all that we can hope for. So let's yeah. uh, let's hope that we're not scared and that that ends up happening. So while Nolan, while the Oilers weren't busy, uh, the rest of the league was quite busy. There were some interesting names moved, there were some big names moved, and there were some legacy names moved. Um, do you want to start at the top of the list on our yeah. tr- trade deadline notes? Sounds good. Um, so yeah, uh, the. <laughs> Because I don't even know. I think probably the biggest one happened today, like uh, happened at the very end of the day. But if we're just going to talk about like the big moves from from the get go, um, I mean the Felino to Toronto deal. Uh, so and this was another thing that 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 made me sorry. I'm going to complain about the, I'm going to complain about the management one more time. But anyways, um, I kept on hearing the whole thing about oh we don't have the cap space. It's money in, money out. And I heard money in, money out for like the fifteenth time today, and I almost like. I almost drove to Rogers and like lit it on fire because of how much I hated hearing money in money out. But, uh, the Tampa Bay lightning acquired David Savard and then the, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Nick Foligno. Um, and so both of those teams very much up against the cap, but they were able to do it with some shrewd cap maneuvering stuff and team trades. Three team trades, baby. And so the Toronto Maple Leafs were able to get Nick Felino for they essentially what happened was is the Jackets traded Felino to the San Jose Sharks. They retained fifty percent of Nick Felino's salary, and then the Sharks retained fifty percent of Felino's salary and sent that off to the Leafs, in which the Leafs are paying Nick Felino one point three million dollars this year, which is stupid. Um and nonetheless, and all they had to do was just ship, a, and all they had to do was ship a fourth to San Jose. San Jose is like, yeah, we'll take on a million dollars. Thank you for the fourth. And then Columbus got obviously got the first and the fourth because they're giving away the player. Um, I think, I th- honestly think Columbus had an incredible deadline. Um, they got rid of two guys that one of them is probably going to come back in the offseason in Nick Felino. David Savard's probably not coming back, but they were able to get first round picks for both of those guys. And like, yeah, they're going to be late first, but 
late first or late first, like those are those are quality picks. And for a team I would hope is going to either do some rebuilding or retooling or whatever you want to call it, that's really important to get. And um I was I was I was super thrilled with um with both of those moves. Um did you have any thoughts about those two? No, that uh finished GM that they've got in Columbus is Yarmo Kekalainen, and baby. Yeah, he's nasty. He's a smart cookie. He makes uh Every now and again, you think that Columbus is going to be bad, and then he does some some magic, and Columbus ends up being pretty nasty again. So, smart moves, good for them. Um, sucks Toronto got Felino. I don't really know how he's going to fit in that team personally. I think he's going to add some grit, but I just, I don't know, man. There's something about the Toronto locker room that I just don't like, and I think Nick Felino coming in there is going to be, is just not going to be a gel piece. I think it's gonna it's going to be kind of uh, kind of goofy. Um, I, I don't totally agree with that just cause they, they have so many, like they have so many guys on that team already that are letter, like not, I mean, not, maybe not old guys, but like Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, like you got a lot of those guys that are kind of like, they've been around the block a few times and I think it's going to be probably pretty important. And also, um, Felino did also play with Matthews at the world championships, which is kind of important. I think that was, that was Matthews, like before Matthews even played in the NHL, um, and apparently they have somewhat of a connection. So I do, I, I like the fit. I do think it was an overpayment. I think it's the classic, like, we need to acquire grit and leadership for a Stanley Cup run. And I hate to admit it, but they're looking really good. Like, they look like a really good team right now. And it makes me sad, but uh, they're, they're, they're really good. And I think uh, they're one of the Stanley Cup contenders. So, um, yeah. I wanted uh, to mention. Sorry, go on. No, you go ahead. You wanted to mention. Oh, I wanted to mention uh, the. F- actually, I I was gonna say the um, I was gonna say the Godet move because what the fuck are the Vancouver Canucks thinking? Oh, I like, have a good I, tweet to share with you. Okay, okay, uh, just you fin- um, finish what you're gonna say, and then okay, I'm gonna go. So, but uh, but the steal of the day goes to the aforementioned previously previously aforementioned pizza boy himself in calgary he got essentially two second round picks for sam bennett (laughs) yeah he got more for sam bennett than buffalo did for taylor hall which is disgusting That's, that's insane and they didn't retain salary on sam bennett nothing like that they basically traded um they traded a sixth round pick in sam bennett and they were able to get emil heineman who is a 2020 second round pick and a 2022 second round pick from florida so man like that's a that's a damn good move i still think they're probably gonna move johnny gaudreau in the offseason and maybe sean monahan and maybe we get to just see fireworks go off in calgary um but i i could not believe that deal also a good deal trading Riddick to Toronto for a third round. And it's an expiring contract, backup goalie, getting a third round pick back for that. Um, Pizza Boy did okay there. Um, but there's a common theme throughout the trade deadline that I think is quite funny, encapsulated by this tweet here um, by Daniel Wagner. He goes, NHL GMs are throwing around draft picks like Oprah giving away cars, and Jim Benning is refusing to look under his seat. In fact... <laughs> In fact, he just signed his three seat to a three-year contract. Oh, the Tanner Pearson contract, dude, is terrible. Fucking so, terrible. Do you do you want a really good follow on Twitter? Follow Mr. Booth. 
Okay. Mr. Booth is so funny. He's a Vancouver Canucks fan, and basically what he does is he chooses like these different um these different brands he's gonna change himself to. And what he does is he basically tweets like bad shit about the Canucks, but he does it um so like today, what he did was is he changed his name to Elliot Friedman. <laughs> Here's the picture for Elliot Friedman. He's like the Vancouver Canucks have signed Brandon Sutter to an extension. <laughs> to a three-year extension or whatever and i i and i i actually quote tweeted and i was like thank god we aren't the canucks and then i realized after i said it, i was like god damn it mr booth got me that motherfucker and uh yeah man it, it's so funny too because then he like he changed his brand to like uh to like number one leafs fan and he was like tweeting all this shit when like the leafs were winning a hockey game but it was funny he was tweeting when they were up with they were up to the senators and then the senators were starting to come back and then he just kept on retweeting like when like when the senators were starting to come back it was so funny but um yeah man that that contra- i like i I've, 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 apparently they have like 17 or 18 million dollars set aside for the Pedersen Hughes contracts which like you're hoping that they take that little amount like you you're hoping that they go on bridge deals and that they're willing to take somewhat of discounts to play for you otherwise what the hell are you doing like why would you give tanner tanner piercing a three-year deal <laughs> insane um, yeah one two one other deal i liked here today uh nolan is jeff carter going to pittsburgh note about pittsburgh here crosby's having a sneaky good year he's eighth in nhl yeah. scoring um, so Jeff Carter, guy that's got some grit, some leadership, and some Stanley Cup experience, uh, going back to a team. You can never really count the Penguins out. Penguins are always kind of good, uh, flying around, waddling around. I know they got uh, knocked out by the by the Habs last year in the play-in, but um, they look to be riding the ship here. So Jeff Carter going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I I like I like the fit of Jeff Carter going to Pittsburgh. My only issue with that though is that I think he signed to another year, and I just think like cap wise, I don't know if it's great to get a guy that's like 36 years old and is signed to like five and a half million dollars a year for another year. But nonetheless, though, I, I mean, he's going to Pittsburgh. He'll probably go and score like 40 goals next year for some reason. It'll be like, he'll be all like rejuvenated. Um, but the last one I'll, I guess we'll talk about. Um, and what's probably the, the biggest deal of the day, the Washington Capitals getting Anthony Mantha, which is, I was so mad when I saw this because I was like, okay, Ken, if you're going to go for any guys that are like former Detroit Red, like if you're going to go for Detroit Red Wings, please go, like, please go for Anthony Mantha. And the Washington Capitals got him. And this is a complicated deal because I actually texted my buddy Nick afterwards, who is like a massive Capitals fan. And I was like, dude, I'm so jealous of you right now. I cannot believe you guys just got Anthony Mantha. And he's like, what are you jealous about? He's like, Jacob Vrana is going to be a star and he's going to score like 50 goals with, with the Red Wings. And I'm like, dude, are you, are you not excited about Anthony Mantha? And he's like, absolutely not. He's like, I don't know why you're giving up Vrana and a first round pick for him. And because, uh, I mean, Ponick is just kind of like salary filler more than anything. Um, but yeah, they gave a first and a second plus those two for Anthony Mantha. Um Looking at like the fancies on both of them, uh, Anthony Mantha had a huge breakout year last year. He like his possession numbers are stupid. Uh, it looks like he's a 
better defensive player than uh, fans give him credit for. And, and he's, he's like six foot five and he's can skate. He's massive. fast. Yeah, he's got. And he has big blue eyes. They, those are some. <laughs> those are some beautiful peepers on him. He put up and, big numbers in the queue. He he's an offensively talented guy. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think the I don't think the fit in Detroit was um, advantageous to the type of player he is. And going to a team like Washington that can run and gun with the speed and size that he has, I think Nick could be uh, eating his eating his hat a little bit there for what he was saying. I understand the Vrana stuff. Like Vrana's a good player, but Anthony Mantha's is a damn good hockey player. Too. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a massive breakout in Washington because I, I just I just see him going into that team where it's like you're not on a perennial loser anymore. You're on a you're on a Stanley Cup contender, and you're 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 also playing under a great coach too like you're playing under peter lavalette like that's a awesome coach to play under and like you're just gonna get those offensive opportunities and like if he gets thrown on like the first unit power play him is like a first him is like a net front presence and ovi's just clapping one timers like oh my goodness yeah (laughs) clean up your garbage man it'll be easy for you so but that's huge that a massive deal, but yeah, I was I I was upset about that, but nonetheless, though, if um, hammer this home, Mister Ken Kenneth, please, please and thank you. Um, I was about to come on and defend you today and say that people were freaking out over you and that you didn't deserve that, and I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on your side, but you've got one year. Not even one year. You've got probably till February or March of next year. So, I want to see this team be an actual Stanley Cup contender. Because if we're not, then heads will roll, my friend. <laughs> off, off, off with your head. One more note of losers today. It wasn't a trade, so I don't really know how we're going to fit it in, but I'm going to fit it in anyway. Uh, Victor Mete being claimed off waivers Ooh, by the yeah. Ottawa Senators is a finger licking good move by Ottawa. Uh, what the fuck was Montreal doing leaving him unprotected? Silly, silly Billy, um, but or silly, silly Bergevin, but either way, good for Ottawa getting a young, uh, young, young, good defenseman. The year removed from 51 points, so he's got some skill. I think yeah. that might be, I think that uh, might fact be incorrect. Check it. If it's yeah. not a year, it's two years. But the, I don't the, think he's actually scored 50 points in the NHL. Yeah, check it out, man. Um, he's actually playing his first game tonight with Ottawa. Um, so a short trip across the river, and he's there looking good in those black uniforms. Yeah, I, I although I don't like the fact he's wearing 98, I think 98 on a defenseman is really gross. Um, but... Uh, yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, he, he's, his, his career high is 13 points, but, oh, what the fuck was but I his, but, but his fancies are remarkable. That's, that's the whole point. Like his, like his analytical numbers are just stupid good. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for like, I, like, I, I, I do think though that, um, Otto was kind of stacking up on defensive players, which is like. I, I, I like that. I think that's the right way to build a team. But, um, dog, you guys need to get some more offensive talent there. <laughs> like, if if Tim Strudel's not going to be your first-line center, then you need to get, like, a bona fide number one center because you cannot win in the NHL with, like, with a, like, 2C as your number one center. Like, look at the freaking Nashville Predators. But, 
Uh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you nailed it right there. Like I, I, I like Victor. I like Victor. Oh Jesus, I like Victor Mete a lot. Um, what you might be confusing it with is they acquired, or so Montreal acquired Eric Gustafson, who was on, um, who was coming from Philly, and then they also acquired John Merrill. So I still don't like Montreal's like super like star talent and i think you need that for the nhl i think that the you you did you do need those guys that are like okay this guy is like an alpha of the team and i don't think you have that unless people want to call shea weber that but whatever um yeah those were uh some of the big deals from today devin dubnik to colorado <laughs> oh i i hope he does better with like a way better team in front of him but He's gonna get a ring. He's gonna get a ring as a third string goalie. Probably. I re- I remember. I remember him on oil change. Him on oil change was so funny. He like he. I remember. I for some reason I remember him wearing like really like really big Oakleys and like baggy jeans with like a white belt buckle or like a white belt. Oh, a Nixon belt buckle. Yeah, just a just a drip god himself. <laughs> uh, did you have any last thoughts on? The trade deadline and no, I just wanted to sneak Dubnik in there just because former Oiler have to do it. Former Oiler, former uh, wasn't he a former Pat? No, no, Metis- he was Pat Tiger. Rats! Oh, actually, speaking of which, shout out Connor Bedard who uh, finished off his WHL season, leading as the a WHL in freaking points. monster. Yeah, he's a freaking nature. I cannot wait to get uh, a flex pack next year and go watch that kid. I just want to see what he does in 68 games. I want to like I I want to see if he breaks records next year, man. Like I and like he's still going to grow too, which is the crazy part. He's like he's like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and he could still end up growing like a couple inches and end up being like 6 feet and just oh, a yeah, man. freaking wizard. Um hold on, I just want to see. Yeah, he finished off with 28 points in 15 games as a 15-year-old. And he had 12 goals in 15 games. <laughs> I think number two is, is Peyton Kreb. Uh, <sighs> I think he's drafted already. So like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He was having a crazy year, and then Connor Bedard's just like, oh, sorry, I'm getting my learners. Do you mind if I bang 28 <laughs> points this year? Oh my god, I I love it. But yes, shout out Connor Bedard. We stand you, and hopefully. Uh, Shane did, Wright gets to play well next year too. Did you hear where he's going? Yeah, he's going to U18s, isn't he? Yeah, like the, so uh, Gretzky sad, Holinka. Yeah, so sad. First and foremost, his, he had to leave a little bit earlier because his grandpa passed away. So yeah, condolences to the Bedard family. But he's going to play U18 Ivan Holinka World Championship <laughs> as a 15, as a 15 year old. Year old. Following in the footsteps of Czech's notes, John Tavares and Connor McDavid. That's pretty, Those are good players. That's pretty elite company to be in. So, Connor Bedard, we stand on guard for thee. <laughs> we stand on guard for Bedard. Bedard. Connor Bedard. Oh, he's going to make a he's going to make a great um Nashville Predator, maybe? Flamestone Kyle, Kyle is convinced that they're going to tank for him. 
like that big eared bitch behind your bench is going to let them be that bad for that long. I don't oh, think absolutely so. not. No, there's no, no there's way in absolutely hell. no way. Hold I on. can see him being a Let's take a quick predator. look. Let's just take a quick look at 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 the at the teams before um before we sign off for today. He's going to okay. end up being a New Jersey Devil. No, I could I could easily see him being a shark. Ugh. A shark or like Hold on. Oh, he could be a duck. Imagine like him and like Trevor Zegris and, and like Sam Jamie Drysdale. And, oh, Sam Steele. The the biggest porn name in hockey, Sam Steele. <laughs> former Pat. <laughs> yeah, a former Pat. Uh, okay, hold on. I, mean, I want to see if the Red Wings are still shitty, which is at this, at this rate, they're probably still, still going to be shitty. I could see him being a blue jacket. Um, I know that we're obviously projecting bad teams in like, three years but it's fun um i could see the habs being like really terrible by then even though they have like decent talent but i could still see them being not Ooh. very good could you see him going home to vancouver uh yeah because like I'm you st- said if petty and uh and quinn hughes walk and well, they're that, not going to walk. They're, I don't well, really think they have anywhere to go. But yes, they could force Vancouver's hand with how much they want, and they could put them into salary cap hell. Right. So I don't know, man. He could end up. He could end up uh, back at home, a Canuck. That would be that would be pretty sick, though. I mean, I don't want him to be in our division because that makes me sad. Um, yeah, and I also scared. Play. I don't want to have to play against that. N- no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could. Uh, so yeah, I guess the the Sharks would not be ideal either. Oh, you know who I could see him going to? The Stars. Yeah. The Stars will probably stink in a couple of years. Because they're getting old. Yeah, man. Like Jamie Ben stinks now. He's just Tyler, not good. Tyler anymore. Sagan's too busy getting his nipples tattooed and taking shirtless pics. But he's so good looking. He is really hot. But... And he and he has and he has wicked tats on him. Yeah, but they're gonna be they're gonna be bad. Dude, his, his goatee and soul patch combo looks so good. He looks like Donnie Drama, like a hotter Donnie Drama from Entourage. <laughs> With those, like, he also kind of looks like he's like permanently fried. Oh, yeah. But he's just like sick at hockey. Man, sorry. Could you imagine talking to somebody from 2011 and being like, hey, did you know that uh, Taylor Hall is going to be a Bruin and Tyler Sagan is going to not be a Bruin? And they'd be like, uh, no, you're wrong. There is a, okay, this is the last thing. And then I, I swear we're going to close it all off. Um, but the, um, one of the things I saw, because the top three of the 2010 draft went Hall, Sagan, Goodbranson. Goodbranson. <laughs> that was beautiful. And uh, I think I saw that, like, those those three players had played in, like, 18 different places already <laughs> just absolute because like cases yeah, like good like good branson has played for he's played for florida vancouver anaheim pittsburgh ottawa and now nashville i think i think that's everything and Sagan's been to two, and Sir Taylor's been everywhere, uh, man. He's been. Everywhere. I think we're. I think you're. I think he's on his fifth now. He's on. He's going Edmonton, Jersey, Arizona, Buffalo, Boston, and then he won't have to worry next time because he'll be going back home, back to his first, his first spot. Uh, 
we'll see. JK, he's probably going to resign in Boston. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what Kenny can do. Big Ken. Uh, anyways, um, so next, th- this week, um, I wrote in here, maybe Vancouver, April 16th. They're s- like, they had a setback with their COVID protocols. It looks like the show is still to go on. Um, so yeah, Vancouver, April 16th. Edmonton, Oilers, are you listening to me? Please tell me you are. I'm looking directly in the lens right now. Please don't disappoint me. I'm begging you. I'm I'm begging you with with these eyes right now. Please. These eyes Please do not make me sad. Um and then we get April and then we get Winnipeg on April 17th. I almost said we almost get April on Winnipeg 17th. Uh, but yeah, we get uh, Winnipeg following up on the second half of back-to-back because if there's one thing the Oilers don't need more of, it's more back-to-backs. Um, yeah. Not the NH- ideal. The NHL could at least buy them dinner first before they fuck them. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, please. Just, I, just want, I just want them to just clinch and then we can calm down. Because you know me, I am... A paranoid freak that just can't handle the idea of a team not being uh, like like the team blowing it. Yeah, you like, just I need just, to see that confirmation, like X beside the name. Yeah, exactly. I get you, man. Um, optimistic ostrich. I think they go two and zero. Worst case, Ontario, they go one and zero. So we'll okay. see what happens with these games. But I I'm think go... I think they're going to beat the Jets. I think I think I think Connor McDavid is going to go into the room at the end of this I think he's going to go into the room on Thursday and he's going to say, "Boys, we didn't get help. Let's go win these games." Like we got we got we we got a I mean, we did get somewhat of help in uh Kulikov, but um we got to do this like we like we got to win these games and especially after they got boned by the whole Colby Cave thing. I, I think they're going to come out and they're going to go nuts. Um, I would not want to be Thatcher Demko on Friday because I think Connor McDavid is going to, I said this before and he didn't do it, but I think he will go supernova on Thatcher Demko on Friday. So let's hope for it. I hope all the best. And uh, it is 10.30 p.m. and your boy needs to go to bed. No whistle is tie tie. So let's see what happens this week. Thanks again to everybody for tuning in for the 14th episode of One for One. If you're not already, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter. No one will have it linked in the description. But as always, go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.